Fact, rumour, scrutiny, suggestion. The Huddle. On The Huddle with us this evening, we've got Jordan Williams, Taxpayer Union Executive Director, and Jack Tame, host of Saturday morning's Q&A. Hi, you two. Hello. Oh, Jack, how was the COVID? Are you all right? Well, I'm on day five at the moment, um, and I, I think I've got through the worst of it, yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still feeling a bit foggy. Um, you? you have to go easy, easy on me tonight. Yeah, right. yeah, maybe yeah. Just, right. just, just, just throw me up a couple of easy little. Yeah, or well, maybe I'll just know, strike while you're weak. Nice. Actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Jordan. What on earth? What are the banks doing wrong? Then go on. Um, Sam Studs was made the very point that I was going to make around um, open banking. You know, we have created a regulatory environment that keeps these big Australian fat banks. Um, earning, frankly, far too much to be justified. Uh, they have. Why is it not justified, Jordan? Because the the on a on a when you look at the return on the capital that they are, it is above the world average. It is a very good profit centre in the in the Australian banks, and that is because it is very uh. difficult for anything else to jump in on it demonstrates the underperformance or the poor performance of Kiwi Bank. And the solution is follow what um, Sam referred to Britain, it's exactly what I was going to refer to, um, around deregulation, opening, open banking and open up um, banking services to these new fintech sectors. Um, Jack, the Prime Minister saying it's, it's not justifiable. Is she saying that for a cheap political hit or is she actually going to do anything? I don't think he's going to do anything. Um, I don't think this, I, mean, I mean, I mean, well, look. I mean, the, they might look at the Commerce Commission and and demand another market study or something like that. But no, I don't they think shot that down as well it, today. It, oh, okay. Well, there you go. Um, so, so I don't think anything substantial is going to change. I like the idea of open banking. I think um, Sam and Jordan are on the money. But I was reminded in that comment of an interview I did with the Prime Minister a couple of years ago when I think student allowances were raised and there was concern yeah. at the time in Wellington that the raises in student allowance would automatically mean that all student rents in the city would raise by exactly the same amount. And I asked the Prime Minister about it at the time. And she said, I said, what would be your message to landlords? And she said, I'd just ask them to do the right thing. And uh, I just Well, we've know, asked it, her it, to do the right thing a lot and it didn't work, so why would it work it, the it, other it way might, around? It's good, it's good for a grab. <laughs> it's good for a grab, but, but truthfully, these things are going to take time. And, and if we were to have that inquiry that was demanded yeah. by, you know, in so many quarters just a couple of years ago, the truth is that meaningful change would still be several years away, right? We'd be waiting on the outcomes of the inquiry and then whatever regulatory changes came in after that. So if we're looking for a quicker fix, something that makes the Aussie banks um, start treating New Zealand, at least with parity when compared to Australia, um, and the profit margins they, they have over there, then I think something like open banking is, is a far better solution. Right, you're back with the huddle. Jack Tame, Jordan Williams, Jack. So Adrian all gets another five years. Good call or bad call? <laughs> well, I think probably Grant Robertson's only call, although I'm not sure that he would have had that much of a political backlash if he didn't support Adrian Or You know, when I think about the Reserve Bank's actions over the last couple of years, and some of those big changes like the dual mandate, I mean, essentially Adrian Orr has been carrying out what was demanded of him by the government of the day, and the government of the day was Grant Robertson. Um, maybe Grant Robertson would have had a bit of, um, would have enjoyed a, a small political boost if he would have throw Adrian Orr, Adrian Orr to the wolves and blame him solely for the inflation we're experiencing right now. Certainly the Reserve Bank played a significant role, but I just don't think um, Grant, uh, Grant Robertson would have seen much benefit in that, given some of the changes underway at the bank at the moment. 
it'll all come down to the election next year. And something mm. tells me that if Nationals are in power in 12 months' time, Adrian Orr will not be sticking around for the full five years. Yeah. Jordan, um, should Adrian Orr actually have, have just resigned and done the honourable and possibly the smart thing? Yeah, I'm frankly astonished that the government has reappointed him. Adrian Orr totally lacks credibility in a number of ways. The inflation expectations out today are a disaster. It shows even with the dual mandate, he, um, you know, he's got a place inflation between one and three percent. It's currently what at seven point two, and in that performance last week, where Business Desk rightly reported it as our Reserve Bank governor, frankly, just lying to the Select Committee um, about the um, the timing and reasons for our inflation. Uh, I was recently overseas and was with a. Um, with the uh, head of the economic unit in number 10, who's a good friend of mine. And I can tell you, Adrian Orr is literally the butt of jokes overseas. This Why? Is guy. Well, he, the, our Reserve Bank led the world. We were the first country in the world to have solely inflation targeting. We have a tradition of having extremely boring um, uh, Reserve Bank governors, which is exactly what you want, but are credible to the market. Adrian Orr, from day one, has been political. He literally went to the um, uh, Central Bankers Conference earlier this year, and yeah. his speech was on why uh, the Reserve Bank of New Zealand is the treaty-led. I mean, it, I get that he's political and all of that, but also the real politique now is that Labour can't blame anyone else for why we have such high inflation. They reappointed the guy whose yep. sole job it is, is to keep it under control. Yeah, well, that's a very fair point, isn't it, Jack? If they, if they, if they I mean, all you need to do well, is... Not, you, it's, it's not a sole job. That's the problem, isn't it? I mean, it used to be, it used well, to be but the sole job. To, but it's totally no, out not, of control, Jack. I mean, uh, no, 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 I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not defending And, and he supported out those changes. You know, yeah, you know, I'm, pre- I'm just pointing out that, that, you know, there is a dual mandate in place now and, and, and maximum sustainable employment. Adrian Wall will say, well, under my mandate right now, we are at maximum wow. sustainable employment. I'm not saying that's the right thing, necessarily. All I'm saying is that by the very nature of that dual mandate, it isn't his sole focus now. And I'm sure when he looks back at his tenure, as the Reserve Bank's already saying now, they were more or less the first Reserve Bank or central bank in, in the world to start lifting rates in the post-COVID era. But clearly, um, some, some of the decisions that were made in that initial response to COVID-19 have contributed to... And the ongoing response, Jack. He's still, yeah. And the ongoing response. He's still putting stimulus into the economy, which is actually unfathomable. Yeah. But anyway... Uh, 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 I look at it, the, the, the young economists we used to have through uh, here used to aspire to work for the Reserve Bank. It was seen as one of the best employers in town. They don't anymore. It, the calibre of expertise in the bank, quali- uh, the quality of advice and its reputation is through the floor, and it's only happened in the last five years. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, Jack, $19, key, $19 quiches at COP27. Is this just about the worst kind of headline you can have from the climate crisis conference? I don't know. I think the climate conferences of past have had some pretty bad headlines, haven't they? It actually reminds me of my, um, of my tenure covering the Delhi Commonwealth Games when uh, I, don't, I don't think you could eat anything for the first maybe four or five days of the, of the tournament or the competition, as I, as I remember, in the media centre, they had almost no food available. Yeah, it's a total disaster. Although, you know, part of me actually has some empathy for the, for the delegates and things because it is super hard in those things to get anything done if you're hungry. And if you're forced to leave 
whatever this career of this conference centre is and drive half an hour to the rest of Sharm El Sheikh, I suppose you're not really going to be getting much achieved. No, oh my gosh, it's not that hard, Jordan. You delegate, you delegate one of your people and you send them out on a food run and then you stock up. You don't make it get into the news because now we're just going to sit around waiting for the next instalment of this nonsense, aren't we? I tend to join your show and usually agree with Jack, but I'm, I, I, I've got a very different view. i got a sneaking suspicion that this is Scheidenfreude. That the idea of these hungry little officials swatting off on their jets to the climate change conferences is, oh no, there's not enough canopies. What are we going to no, do? There, there aren't enough quiches. I think you're right. All right, guys, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Jack Tame, Jordan Williams, Huddle this evening.